Welcome to Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Welcome to Mind Matters, the HypnoQuest. I'm one of your hosts, Mary, and my co-host, Andre. How are you doing today? Hello, good afternoon. Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Every once in a while, you're going to hear the dog freak out because they're doing road construction <laughs> behind my house, and he's one of those that, you know, barks at anything that makes sound. That's all right. It's summertime. I got ding-dong ditchers, little little toddlers knocking on the door and taking off the little legs and the dog bark. So same might happen here. Who knows? <laughs> Let's do this. It's going to be a good time. I'd like to remind everybody, if you're not talking, to mute your phone because background noise picks up. And it makes it hard to hear questions being asked. It's hard to hear the host talking at the same time. So today's topic, which breaks us into a series that will be coming up in the next couple weeks. Today's topic is all about your practitioner, your therapist, your coach, whatever they call themselves. The questions to ask, how to build that rapport and figure out just because they do what they do doesn't mean they're the right fit for you. And how to understand what you're looking for and get the answers you're looking for, but understand, you know, and finding the right fit. Because that's very important to get results is having that connection with the person helping you through the stuff and their specialties. Great topic. It is. And our series coming up starting next week is I get to be the guinea pig. So we are going to yeah. break down hypnotherapy from induction to regression to the cure or closure. closure. Grounding. Yeah, it's got a lot of different names. You know, and we're going to break that down step by step, and we'll be doing it to me on the air, and then answering questions you may have and just walking through the process. Do you understand, you know, what to expect? And the best way to do that is experiencing it and seeing it. And just remember, just because one way is done right now doesn't mean it's the, the correct way. There are many different ways of doing it. And there's many different techniques. There's no one-size-fits-all program. Exactly. But it, I think it, that's why this topic is so great, because uh, since there are so many different ways, just see if it's going to resonate with you. And, you know, we all get that sense of if someone's just trying to 
be slimy and get money out of your hands or something, or if it's someone that's genuinely trying to figure out what's going to be the best for that person. So amazing topic. And two, you know, what may work for you today may not work for you tomorrow. Exactly. Evaluation. Mm -hmm. So let's start out with the four and questions and having this conversation. It's a hard conversation to have with the professional. The foundation. Yeah. So like it's uh it's what you build everything off of. Otherwise you don't know what you're really getting into. That person doesn't know what they're getting into. Um it's best to just it's rapport, right? Getting to know the person, the person getting to know you. Um and being comfortable. If it's not comfortable, I hear that um you can't even go into hypnosis when you're not comfortable, when you're highly vigilant, when you got your guards way up. Uh, and even if you did get into hypnosis, it wouldn't be very comfortable. I don't think it would be very comfortable. I, I've never ran across this myself. Uh, just putting myself in that seat, trying to imagine sweating and palms wet, trying to be calm. I don't think uh, those things even pair up. You can't be relaxed and tense at the same time. No. So, and it's, it's that mind game, Steve. The more you focus on being calm, you're focusing so much on that, that you're not paying attention to what else is being going on around you. And the more you stay calm, the more you start to worry about why am I not feeling comfortable? Why am I not calm? calm? Then you start this whole rabbit hole of, is something wrong with me? Comfort zone. It's like, um, yeah, definitely. You know, the first question, and there's so many people out there now that are taking courses to do this, but they're not getting all the training they need. Mm-hmm. And not understanding yeah, I saw that. $7 for a weekend course pre-recorded. That's terrible. I, mean, I don't care. You could be the best hypnotist in the world, but you're not going to digest everything in a weekend and then just go out there and work with people. Terrifying. Uh, in my case, full disclosure, there is no licensure for hypnosis uh, in Wisconsin. I've looked, I've been looking for years. I'm certified in many different ways, many different aspects, uh, from trauma to uh, weight loss, and many different things that people are dealing with, addictions. But it's, there's no licensure. So certifications is what I kind of built myself up on. So I feel comfortable and understanding enough to get out there like that. And the thing is, is in the United States, there is no real um, – Oh, for like life coaches too. There's no set curriculum. Correct. For that kind of thing. It depends on where you live, because like in the state yeah. of Washington, hypnotherapists are required to register. Mhm. In different 
places around the world require licensing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's only a, and I honestly wish there was uh, some kind of test for that, or at least being able to show your your hours, um, how many hours you put in for your. Uh, your your supervised work and your unsupervised work. That would help uh, people to be safe about it because, you know, uh, with people who have a lot of traumas, deep-seated traumas, uh, if someone just goes poking and prodding in that, it can do a lot worse than, you know, they could have, that could have been done for them. And I'm not saying that psychology, psychologists are the only way or something like that, but um, they are there for a reason. They actually are licensed, practiced, supervised, got the hours in. So that's the thing. It's, it really comes, that's, that's why this is a great topic because it comes down to evaluating and asking the right questions and what someone's approach and their intentions are. Right. And like here in the state of Minnesota, for a hypnotherapist to be considered a hypnotherapist, you have to actually get a license or register your your certifications and get a license in psychology. That's good. So yeah, um, that's why I like to also explain what my experiences are, um, how I would address the issue directly, and sometimes it does require, I mean, I, I ask people to go talk to their physician or their psychiatrist to see if um, how they feel about it before actually working with the, with someone. If it's a situation where their doctors have already said, well, I, I can't, I don't, we've already, you've already stressed all of our resources, um, you're going to deal with what you're going through. Or if it's pain, you know, we've done as much as we can with pain, then yeah, hypnosis would be a great adjunct to what, what you already have going on. Maybe you already have meditation practices going on or some kind of stretches, some kind of stretch routine. I personally do Qigong. It feels really good. Uh, yeah. So, does anyone ever ask you about your success rate, about you know, your past clients, or? I openly talk about mine. I don't really give them a chance to ask about it. Um. Most people ask me what I've trained and who I've certified through. And so, like, for me, I started out down this rabbit hole. I call it a rabbit hole because I didn't train in the U.S. I've trained over in England and I trained in Australia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, we're going to Oh, yeah, those guys are really about it. Um, Allison Burnett, who is a world-renowned hypnotherapist come on our show. She's actually one of my mentors and I trained with her. But um, I've worked with Marissa Pierce. I've worked with David Keith. I've worked with Allison and her company. And I keep training. 
I don't. Yep. There's always yep. different techniques. And if I don't understand oh, yeah. one with the person, I learn a different way. And so one of the big things I talk about is, you know, I was trained in highly regulated areas. You know, over in Europe, right. hypnotherapy, you have to be trained. You have to have so many hours. You have to have so much experience before you can get a certification. Mm-hmm. And it's where, you know, like with Marissa Pierce, for instance, you work with another student and you work on yourself, but you have to record it and bring it and hand it in to her. And she checks it out, monitors it, and gives you ideas and tells you where you did wrong, what you did right, you know, where you can change. So before you can finish where you just take a course and you're done, you actually have to take tests and understand what you're doing before you get your life and you finish and your certification. And you have to register and you carry so much insurance. Mm Which a lot of people here. Yeah, that's definitely what it comes down to. Keep it lifelong, um, psychological, scientific studies. Uh, I mean, I'm accredited, certified by Hypnotist uh, National Hypnotist Union, Local 472. Um, also nominated, certified trauma specialist by American Hypnotist uh, Association, AHA. Uh, trauma-informed care for Indiana University. So, yeah, it really, and NLP also from AHA. So those things, um, they really do add up, and it's good to have that backing. Because otherwise, I don't know, I don't think I'd feel comfortable not knowing what I'm doing, just poking around someone's head. It's not good. Exactly. Oh, do you also do referrals? If it's something that, I mean, I know you're well-studied in it. Um, I mean, there are some things I haven't quite worked with yet, like uh, threat syndrome. Um, I have an idea and a footing of how it will work, but I also refer out or I ask my mentor about that. I've got a mentor here for new life therapy. He's been in it for, I don't know, a long time, about 80 years old now. Uh, yeah, what do you? What are your thoughts on that? Um, someone referring out. I refer out a lot because I only That's specialize in category. I work with trauma. I work with special needs. I help families. Yep. And people who have been trafficked, domestic abuse, things like that. Once in a while, I'll do like a smoking or a filler. But a lot of times, if it's something that I don't know and I haven't had experience in, and I know, like, for instance, you, um, what you do, so a lot of hypnotherapists mm-hmm. kind of specialize in a particular area. It's like coaching. And so yeah. I'll refer to them. The same with coaching, too. You know, I belong to a bunch of networks of a bunch of different people that do different things, so we refer everything to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Most of my clients. That's the way to go. Yeah, and then uh, sometimes my mentor he'll refer people over here too. Uh, it's been mostly quitting smoking, but uh, I like working with like phobias. It's really interesting, and then to actually see that going from A to Z, that transition. 
being absolutely terrified of spiders, but then being completely fine and calm with it afterwards. That's, that's huge. You know, and that's one of the big questions to ask your therapist is what do you specialize in? What do you work with the most? You know, I work with a lot of kids. A lot, a lot of people don't. They don't like working with kids to the partner. Yeah, well, yeah, help. actually, I haven't, I haven't worked okay. a lot with uh, children myself. So I would definitely refer to you. I know you've been working with uh, like children and adolescents for a while. Uh, I've only worked with a few of them. And it was great. But uh, it's just not uh, traffic I've received over the years so far. Right. But, yeah. Specialties. And that's, you know, right. what is your, what do you work on? What do you do? You know, another one is, you know, what training have you received? Is it a reputable trainer? You know, or is it just, mm-hmm. I mean, you type in hypnotherapy and just to Google it. I'll do that right now. <laughs> oh, my keyboard was turned off. <laughs> No. There's so many different schools. Yeah, that's the thing, too. There's so many different schools of thought. Um, I started at HMI, Hypnosis Motivation Institute, and then I kind of traveled around. Those guys, I mean, they, they're great, and they have some... Uh, amazing theories and a lot of them I still hold true to but then I decided that I needed to to branch out and see what other schools there were because there's a lot of uh, competing schools especially like when hypnosis started budding as a therapy after Sigmund Freud so or actually before then too there's a school of Nancy in France I think it was um, all stemming from uh, mesmer, mesmerism. So ever since then, it just branched out into different schools of thought, which who knows, maybe they converge somewhere in the middle, but I think everyone finds their own kind of reasoning behind everything and the way it works. And then the experience that clicks in with that makes a whole story, makes a whole understanding Right. And like here, oh, just Google as long as it's a hypnotherapist, anywhere from 25 to 300 hours, depending on it. Yeah. In 25 hours, that's like two days. You're not going to get all the information you need in the practice to learn what you're doing to work with other people in yeah. two days. Yeah, I I still keep sending these new books. Uh, They're not new books. They're old books. Uh, Spiegel, a lot of well-studied people um, put into these books. And the guy was going to throw them out. I mean, well, it was for five bucks, but I sent like 20-something bucks to get this whole stack. I'll show you a picture of them later, Mary, if you want any of them or mail it to you or something. 
but really good topic. I don't want to go too far off the path here. The questions, uh, the things that you want to do when you're talking to a hypnotherapist or a therapist or anybody you're seeking some kind of uh, wellness care from. Uh, but yeah. You know, another question. Want someone that likes learning, keeps growing. You know, that's another question. You know, do you take continuing ed? Do you do you keep up on you know procedures, or is it you got your certification, you're done? You know, have you trained in what you're specializing in, or is it just this is what you decided to do, and you're just winging it? And you can tell if they how they answer the question if they've got that training or not. You know, if they kind of look like a deer in a headlight, you know that they're not continuing training they just gotten <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's you a know, good another, sign right there right so they don't have that experience yet where a lot of mm-hmm. great schools teach you but when you do it you work with clients ahead of time so you get that experience when you graduate, before you graduate, get your certification. You already know what you're doing because you've already practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. Yeah. You know, that's like another question to ask is what is your, your procedure? I mean, it's done so many different ways, but there's a basic foundation of how you do things. No, you've got your yeah. intake when you ask all the questions. And when you're doing your intake and they're you know, you wanna make sure they're asking you the right the right questions. Because those questions you ask in intake have a lot to do with how that script is gonna be formed. Because that script yeah. shouldn't be pre made. There should be a basic template script. Mm-hmm. But it should be fine tuned for one what you expect or what you want, what you see. Because one of the big questions you need to ask is if, you know, the most common one is if I have a magic wand, but you know, what do you see your life like without that right. issue? What do you want out of this? What outcomes do you see? And what does that feel like? What does it look like? What does it taste like? What does it sound like? And you want them to be... They should be asking you to be as descriptive as possible. Because oh, yeah. that outcome will be that script. That and it could be done in your words. That's what you want. And it has to be what you say because it with what resonates with you. You know, what resonates with you isn't gonna work what works for me. Right. Yeah, we were talking about that before. Like, if someone else is pushing someone else into some kind of wellness uh, advocate, then it might not work just because someone else is pushing you to do it. Uh, If your wife wants you to quit smoking or husband wants you to quit smoking or something, you have to find a reason why you would want to quit smoking or or do whatever or be motivated to, to run the 51K run, something like that. It's got to be your own personal reason. Um, also, um, also, I find that like investments, if you end up 
not paying for your own sessions. I mean, I've ran across where uh, someone wasn't paying for their own sessions, but they really did want their own change. But sometimes there's people that get, uh, you know, they get their way paved for them to go and see a therapist, a coach, and they don't really put into it so much. It's an energy exchange, really. You're putting in your commitment to the process. And if you don't have that commitment, which sometimes is in the form of payment, then that person doesn't always get the best for themselves. They kind of cheat themselves out of it. It's kind of like, oh, all right, fine. I'll see what happens. See, you know, throw the spaghetti on the wall and see what happens. Uh, so that commitment element is really good. It's really helpful. And where your intake questions are so important. That's one of the things you should have been asked from the beginning is what commitment do you have with this? Do you, is this something you really want? That, that you want, yeah. should know by the way you answer the question, by the tone of your voice, by what you're saying, if you are really all in or not. And a qualified actual therapist will turn around and tell you flat out, I can't help you until you're ready. And I can help you get ready, but I'm wasting your money because you're not going to get out of it what you should be because you're not committed. And that's where you want to know their commitment. Respectful. Not just saying, okay, I'll take your money. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah, that's not right. Or either of the party. How does the hypnosis person or the hypnosis consultant get better at what they do if they're just trying to grab money? How does the client or patient benefit if they don't actually um, get what they need, the tools they need to actually move forward and and find out, pinpoint what exactly moving forward is. So, yeah, that's it. Right, and that's you, where... Uh, you give out homework? I do ahead of time when you... I don't walk in. Um, what I do is... You don't do what? I'm sorry. Walk-ins, I do by appointment only because oh, right, right. for a walk-in, we do the intake. We find out your commitment level. I ask you a series of questions. What is the issue? You know, what's going on in your home, for instance? So that way I get a full yeah. background of everything that's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. And your homework assignment before we do the actual process is to, I want you to not just on the spot, I want you to think about what you want to see your life like in a year and five years from now without those problems or that problem. And I want you to be as descript as possible. And I break the, the form, I have a form that I use that I have you fill out that literally will go from all five of your senses. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? I don't do a lot of smoking anymore, but I do do it once in a while with certain clients. But, you know, as a smoker, you do lose your your sense of smell. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We all have. And (laughs) Um, 
you know, OCD is another one, you know, yeah. that have a thing with clean. So they, they, their lips, they, I dated a, a guy that he had to see, smell bleach. I don't use bleach. I use all natural cleaner. So he always complained about my house not being clean because you never smell bleach. Oh, that's, yeah, misconception there. Right. Because to him, bleach, because his mom was a germ phobe, so she literally cleaned her house with bleach. And so to him, my house wasn't clean because it didn't have that smell. And that was the one thing um, we worked on after we broke up. I go, I don't work on family. Or people I date. Oh, right, right. Good. Yes. And that's so, the thing too. That's that was the toughest lesson for me. I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna let oh, you finish good. here. So, oh, okay. Well, yeah, that was the toughest lesson for me because what I got into this for in the first place is to help uh, my family, friends, help myself. Uh, I mean, it turned out that only I could end up just out of that group of people I just mentioned. I've only pretty much only been able to help myself. Some family members have come to me or. Uh, let me approach them about what I do. But, um, you know, it, it really comes down to like what we said. It's got to be something someone wants to do. Um, if someone wants to give up some kind of habit or make some kind of lifestyle change, then, yes, it comes down to that person always. I mean, I never expected, I never thought I would just jump in someone's life and change it. But, no, I've been hurt hearing people around me complaining about different things. I'm like, okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna learn all this. I'm gonna learn all this and figure out how gonna help people change all that. But it turns out a lot of people like to actually hang on to that crutch. So I think that's the toughest lesson when you take up this kind of uh, profession. It is. What are your thoughts? A lot of people, you know, it's like AA or um, rehab. If you're got the addiction issue, a lot of times that addiction is a genetic or personality trait. You give up alcohol, for instance, you will turn around because AA and all these places, even a lot of therapists do this. They make you admit that you are a addict. So you build this mindset that you're going to fail because addicts wide and you have this personality you are an addict so when you first step of you know what is it 12 step program the first step is always admitting you have a problem and using those words that i am an addict that makes you it ingrains it into who you are so it makes it part of your identity of who you are so it makes it hard to get rid of and so my husband's a perfect example of this he doesn't you do anything. Put him under the bus. Oh, he <laughs> on the radio right now? Oh, him? No. He does. He he doesn't listen to my show. He literally <laughs> asks. Right. What do you do? I'm joking. Oh no! It, it, we had this conversation about it because I threw him under the bus one day, and he asked me the other day. He goes, "What exactly do you do?" And I go, "I don't understand the question." You have helped pay for my training. You have listened to me babble for years about different things. How do you not know what I do? So I know you work with autism. <laughs> I 
you know, what, what do you do? And I go, oh, my dear Lord God, people, <laughs> of all people, you don't know what I do. And we had this discussion about it, and I go, finally got him to understand. I go, I understand how your mind works. And he gets so mad at me for this because he will do something or say something, and I'll look at him. And I go, that's because you don't want to change. I go, no, you just use as an excuse of why you're doing something stupid to annoy the crap out of me. Yeah. You would just change. And that, It's a two-way street. And he, he goes, well, that just sounds easy. And I go, yeah, but that's how your mind works. You see, you, want, you tell me you want to do something, which is great. Then do it. But taking those next steps to actually make a change is what is the hardest step of your life. It can be scary for so many people. It's so scary. For me, too, in some situations, I've been uh, quitting smoking. I mean, it's like something I just did. It's, uh, I mean, what does it feel like? What is it like to switch your whole life around? You know, we're a xenophobic species. We're afraid of the unknowns, most of us. Except for some of us that like to jump out of planes, Mary. <laughs> but well, uh, yeah, um, the plane when I yeah, signed so up. Made that way. Nine eleven happened. What did you say? So that wasn't the plan when I signed up for the army. I planned just to be a medic in a helicopter because I wanted to work in the hospital field. Nine eleven happened, so I <laughs> learned, you know, new procedures. Yeah, up. That's Thank it. you for your service. Hey, I enjoy it. And, you know, I use that a lot in explaining this. You know, when you're in the military, and, you're, and it's the same as coming out of um, incarceration. It's the same coming out of rehab. You know, that next step after you get out, your whole life is, is going to be different, especially if you've been in for a long period of time. And that's the scariest step. And I love, and I quote this a lot, um, Do the Damn Thing Nation and Tiffany Largie and Matt Gill. Their motto is fear, hate, movement. And by that, and making boss moves. And it doesn't have to be a huge step. It can be something simple. But making that step, step is always the scariest. And as you keep making steps, it gets easier and easier and easier. And so, you know, a lot of people will turn around and they will say, well, I want to change, but that's it. That's as far as it goes. They never make those steps, any steps change. And that's where I will Yeah. Or just do something. That movement makes that. Exactly. Fear hates movement. Fear is afraid of movement, pretty much. I mean, that's, that's when I first heard her, heard her say that, yeah, definitely down with the cause. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Tiffany. Anyone who's starting uh, a business? Shout out. She gave me that self-esteem that I needed to do the radio, to speak out. Because when I started out, the whole reason I got into even hypnotherapy to start with was I have, and a lot of people who follow the show know that I have two autistic kids, and my daughter has severe anxiety. Well, when I started the process and paying the money for the certifications and the courses and all that stuff, 
one thing I learned is that you can't hypnotize traditionally autistic kids or anyone who's autistic because they don't have the eye-brain connection. Mm-hmm. Or psychopathic tendency if someone has that going on. I think there's ways. Actually, there, yeah, I'll go to that another time. You can't do it in a traditional format. So what I've created my own program and what I do is I take those scripts, those the foundation, and I create them and play, put them into um, story mode for my kids. And we go very specific, like speech, for instance. My son was nonverbal. He would scream all the time for anything, but he would never. We tried every method known to man. You know, we'd sit there and we'd play the narrator. All right, David, we're doing this, this, and this. We're making this, this, and we just all oh, the time. Throw me nuts. And it didn't help. So finally, we sat down, didn't say anything, didn't do anything, and I started playing these scripts. And at night when they go to bed, because the mis- misconception is, is that when you go to sleep, your mind shuts down. It don't. Your subconscious continuously observes everything going on around you. So I use frequencies, and I still learn which frequencies to use during which periods of sleep. These scripts, for him, for instance, it was we ha- you will have the words to be able to express what you're feeling. You're going to be able to talk about what you need. And then I had to change it around to you will talk when you want something. You will use your words. You will not scream and yell. And we do it in a story format. So, this, you know, we start out with an induction. So the induction was, all right, so as you're getting ready for bed, you're listening to this, and you're getting ready to calm down. Your body's getting heavy and heavy, and we start at the head and work our way down. And it's so step by step. Yep. And it got to the point where they actually recite it in their sleep as they're listening to it. And now he is verbal. When he wants, and now I have to update it because now he just uses not to talk. The brain is clever. That's what it does. It it diverts. It finds another way. There's always a way. And two, when he does talk, yeah, and he loves loves big words. So now I got to redo it with scientific words. And the problem I found out about all this was as I'm doing these trainings and I'm watching these different documentaries, he was laying down with me in bed and I thought he was asleep, which partly was and partly he was awake too, but he started picking all this up. And so my <laughs> issue I have now is that he knows what I'm going to do when I'm going to do it, how I'm going to do things. So psychology doesn't work. Oh. <laughs> he, yeah, that's funny explains to me what I'm going to do, and I'm, like, looking at him. I'm like, oh, my God. No. <laughs> That's what I was going to do. <laughs> yeah, my daughter, Zandra, uh, she, okay, when she was really little, like, when I was learning my studies or whatnot, and some of these things that were, uh, most of them, like, okay, so she was asleep. Uh, here's a technique for everybody listening right now. If you have young children and they have nightmares or they make sounds in their sleep, 
and all you can do is sit from the outside being a parent, like, oh, no, going through some torture stuff in their mind right now. What I do, or what I did was uh, I tap her finger, and I say, if you can hear me, move this finger. And most of the time, get that reaction, and then you can just talk from there. Nice, calm, relaxed voice. Um, of course, you don't want to say don't. What you do want to say is, Instead of like, uh, don't forget, you want to say, remember to, because if I say, don't think about a orange, <laughs> a, a vibrant orange, you have to think about it in order to not think about it. So by the time, and the subconscious mind is so fast that you have to, you, you think about it before you try to not think about it. So once that's already in, so, like, so you want to say things in the positive, but you know, tap on the finger, hey, I'm here with you, you're dreaming, you can do whatever you want, you can make that monster turn small, you can just turn it into a mountain of ice cream, you know, things like that, whatever you want. Um, But it also, if the child talks out loud, you can make an open dialogue, what's going on, you know, I'm here with you, I'm holding your hand, so they can kind of talk them through that. It works well for Um, I'm sorry, what did you say? I clicked out for some reason. Well, your spouses, too. They start talking in their sleep to find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's a window. Like you said, the mind is always going all the time, even when we're asleep. I do that with so, my husband. He gets stressed out at work because he doesn't express yeah. himself. And mm-hmm. so we get so frustrated, he'll talk in his sleep. If he's had an issue. He's had it since he was a kid. Where his soothing mechanism for him, since he was a baby, is to bang his head on the pillow. Oh. And he still does that, where he will sit there and rock his head back and forth and bang it on the pillow. Yeah. And so when he starts doing that, I'll start asking him questions to figure out what's going on, what stressed him out, what you know, to figure out how to help calm him down. And I'll sit and talk to him about it. That's what you're going to do. Giving them therapy sessions. Well, it was more because it seemed to scare the crap out of me because I had, with my military, I don't sleep well. Right. Unless I'm sleeping by my house. Sounds, movements. And I've had a lot of bad experiences. I went through a lot of domestic. Unfortunate. It is, but it made me who I am. But, but you so, have your, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It helps me understand what others are going through. Mm-hmm. Well, but, dealer. You know, so there's a, you know, people say there's something wrong because, you know, we'll sleep in separate rooms some, most of the time. And they go, no, it works. Mm-hmm. Plus, you don't like what I watch anyway. Because I have to have TV going until I fall asleep. Because I need that noise. Right. What do you like, listen to the rain or something or waves? No, I watch documentaries on different things. Um, a lot of times oh. it's documentaries on different serial killers. <laughs> I don't know how people do oh, this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to pull apart the why. 
I want to know how you think. Yeah. And that's how I became a specialist in understanding why you do what you do, why you're, how your mind works. Mm-hmm. And the best way to learn all that is dealing with psychopaths. Yeah. Neural diversity. Mm-hmm. And how do these people, like Jeffrey Dahmer, you're from Wisconsin, you, you know. Yeah. Which that Jeff, doesn't mean you know, I associate or co-sign with anything that Jeffrey Dahmer or any of the people that have done these crazy things out here have done. Well, you know, so, yeah. we've got a lot more serial killers for yeah, example in the country. Just All right, this radio's weird. I think I hear like a feedback, and then that covers up what you're saying, and I don't even hear what you have said. So I apologize oh, I, for that. No, it's for some reason my do not disturb is not blocking. Um, okay. um No, Wisconsin's actually got more serious killers per capita than any other state. Yeah. Yeah, I used to live in Milwaukee. It's insane over there. No, I had yeah, mad prayers over there. That actually um, knew Jeffrey Dahmer. They worked with him. Oh, well. And that's what I'm all interested in that because how did this guy do what he was doing and not know it? Mm-hmm. Right. That's a whole other topic right there is uh, how psycho, uh, someone who has psychopathy sees the world. <laughs> Uh, that's a good topic right there. Um, so, like, also ask your provider, uh, your your wellness provider or whatnot, perspective on the issue, the particular issue. Because uh, there's yeah. that subjective and then there's that objective also. What's, uh, your, what's your take on that? That is so true because um... – I didn't think about that until I had a client that actually worked with somebody else prior to me, and she was starting to feel issues of guilt. Well, she couldn't remember her childhood, a lot of it. And so she went and got stuff done with a person and um, basically had her convinced that she was molested as a child. And so right. we were doing work, and that's she worked with. That literally was, and that's another thing is around a questioning you do and how you question, how you word things, because it can apply things and help bring out false memories. But um, when it turned yeah. out, it was she always felt this guilt because her parents struggled and had a lot of domestic, and she wasn't. She was the oops that wasn't supposed to happen, and so that feeling of guilt because her mom and dad would get into fights, mom would leave, then mom would keep coming back because she couldn't stand up and say, mom, this is really stupid. Just don't come back. Oh, let's leave dad and never come. And, you know, that same feeling of guilt. She felt guilty about that. Is a lot of what um, victims of molestation will feel too. And so the therapist put that thought into her head. Her mom called me and asked, you know, I, all I want to know is, did this happen? Because if this happened, then. That's life changing. It's family changing. Yeah. And it turned out that mm-hmm. never happened. Yikes. 
I think that's what Freud had ended up in trouble for a lot. He said that it was rape a lot. I'm not saying that it's never the situation, and I, I wish it was never the situation. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's a huge misdiagnosis. And it's a good thing that you actually took time to, and you knew how to not lead on some kind of story. Uh, it all comes down to what's really actually in there. Right. So you did a regression or? We, we do, I always do it no matter what. Because you yeah. need that regression to get to the root cause of the issue. To give your client that aha moment. A lot of times what you may think is the problem may not even be the problem. Right. A lot of times you're well, I often do uh, from research. Yeah. That's the thing. It's surface. It's like um, there's different levels. Surface level is what you consciously think is the problem. And a lot of the time, it's not what you thought it was on the surface. Like um, there's a lady who she was like really infatuated with these chips. She ate them way often. Uh, She noticed like her garbage bin would be full of the same kind of chips. And they were high in cholesterol, not the good cholesterol. Uh, But anyway, we were working with it and went back. And it turned out that she loved these chips because she was missing her father. And all the time she and her father ate these chips. Uh, It wasn't just those chips. It was was a bunch of different chips in general. But um, she had that connection with her father. And he had passed, and she was feeling really bad about it. So she wouldn't, she didn't want to let go of the chips because that was her link to remembering her father. So what we did was work with being able to keep the memories, like actually brighten them up, bring them closer to her, more near and dear, while also letting the chips fade away. And so she didn't have those cravings anymore. We dimmed down the taste. We dimmed down the smell of the chips. We dimmed it all down so it was non-existent. But the memories were more bright in their mind. Right. And that's so, yeah, the one thing I like to do is go over the, the questions I ask in regression with them beforehand to make sure they're not leading questions. The leading. I think that's why they stopped allowing for uh, hypnosis to be used for court and um, forensics is because some hypnotists were actually leading people to believe something. Like there was an experiment where they took the, they had a short little clip of a video of a car that hits, a, I think, another car. Now, they used different words. They were like, so how hard did you think this car bumped the other car? Or how much glass do you think uh, actually flew off the car? How much glass do you remember flying off the car after it crashed? Whereas it wasn't necessarily a crash and there wasn't even any glass that it broke. It was just, uh, it was perspectives and the words used. Mm-hmm. And that's also why I let them, the clients know, like I record every session mm-hmm. and they get, sealed and they get, you know, they're safe and they're put mm-hmm. onto a drive off of my computer away from anyone. But I also give them back, yeah. give them a copy of it to the clients afterwards so that they can see and remember, you know, different things. But 
too, I can look back to make yeah. sure like I do have clients that things come up mm-hmm. to make sure I didn't word something differently to get those answers. And that's the other thing is when you regress, you don't want to just go to one scene. You want to go three to five and get a general theme. Yeah, a whole portrait uh, portfolio. Do you ever do uh, like a timeline therapy and then then you do a regression? Um, depends on their memory. Um, like the, the yeah. girl I had, I did, we did a timeline to figure out where she stopped remembering. Mm-hmm. And her youngest memory was at 10. The kid's 18. Okay. That's all time to remember. I mean, when you're 18, you remember your whole childhood. But right. she couldn't remember after 10 or before 10, the age of 10. And so yeah. we started timeline to get back to where we needed to go. And then from there, I love, especially with kids, is either a movie or a picture book to get mm-hmm. them to see themselves in a particular area or a particular time. And we'll sit there and we'll come yeah, back. Like, sure. year by year by year, you know, you're looking yeah. at a photo album of you and your family. You're seeing this blank yeah. picture. Now, I want you to look hard as the picture reappears. How old are you in that picture? And that starts breaking down where something happened at that period. They're still blocking it. And we just, it takes time sometimes to get those pieces out for your mind to understand that because your mind's just there to protect you and it blocks out things on purpose to to protect you so once you start feeling comfortable (laughs) and understanding that you've already lived this you've already survived this event nothing bad will happen to you by remembering it but you need to remember it to be able to grow from that and let that be part of your past and that is only your path, then we can start bringing those in. And that's the big Words are so important. And people, you know, it used to be an old saying, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. What we're finding out Mm -hmm. is words hurt more than, than getting beat up. Yeah, they're connected to a lot of different associations. When's the last time you heard that word? Uh, you know, those triggering words. It's the whole story you have built around those words, inside of the words. So, uh, unfortunately, that's why a lot of things happen, especially with adolescents uh, and, and young children, because it's so, it seems like it's really, like, ego. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, what else do you know from outside of yourself when you're growing up? And that's the sad uh, part. The hard part now is that our kids are so engrossed in social media and in the electronic world that they're not learning who they are. They're basing what they think of themselves and who they are on what they see online. So they're not developing that independent self-worth. Right. And 
that's part of the reason why there's so many mental health issues with children. You know, their whole value of what they think of themselves is based on how many likes they get on social media or how many people respond to a post they did. Or, that's you not know, what life's all about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no one can yeah, like you if you like yourself. You need to know who you are before people can get to know you. Exactly. No one tells anybody that stuff. It's not a manual or anything. And, you know, the social media stuff wasn't around when we were younger. I mean, I guess uh, it started hitting my life when I was like, what, 15, 16, when I actually cared to dabble with it a little bit. Yeah, I was like, Uh, yeah, before social media. Right. I didn't have to give a crap about it. Here too. Yeah, I'm delayed on the curve. But we are on. I the am now. Hey, I can teach it to you. Thank you. I don't know what I'm doing with social media stuff. It's cool talking to everybody. It's just uh, sometimes it's, some some days it's really tricky to keep up. I mean, I do it, but. Okay. Some days I just need to be outside. I need to run. That's it. You know, and that's the whole thing is moderate. Um, what do you call it? Yeah, moderation. There you go. Yeah. Everything at the time and place. So we are almost out of time for today. So join us next week at 3 p.m. Eastern, and we're going to start a hypno session from induction all the way through so y'all can see so have your questions ready and I get to be the guinea pig hey and maybe you can do a session for me I've never actually done a a regression like an age regression so that would be great if you ever want to do that yeah we can do that all right, fantastic. Great topic if, today. Thank you for having me on. Well, it's our show, so yeah, thanks for reminding me yeah. that we have a show today. You <laughs> are so without you, you know. And any of you want to um, do a free session? We're willing to do a session on the air so that others can see what it is. Mm-hmm. For free? That's insane. <laughs> It's free because you're doing it live on the air. I can't wait. All right. Have a good day. Take care. You too. I'll call you later. All right. Adios. Adios.